Okay, let's begin. I am Lanice Antoine Shelley, and I'll be your host through constructive, healing-based conversations designed to illuminate the adoptee, parents, and the adoption curious. We center the topics around community, mentorship, leadership, and healing, so you get a multi-dimensional view that is ultimately empowering. These are the voices who could not speak when they were young. Okay, before we get into it, I wanted to share with you some new offerings. We've just partnered with Isaac Edder's company called Identity, who provides adoption consulting and short practical guide pamphlets, a practical guide to transracial adoption and a practical guide to black hair care. As a listener, you get 15% off. Just click the link in the show notes where you can find all references and hot topics that are talked about in each episode. And since you're listening, I just wanted to thank those of you who've rated and reviewed this podcast, because every five-star click helps remind these platforms that our work matters and helps me keep going. So those of you who are getting so much out of these conversations and have taken the 30 seconds to write a positive takeaway, I see you and I thank you. Those who haven't yet, now is the time, my love. Let's talk about it on Instagram after you go ahead and click five stars and write a review. Good afternoon, fam. How are you? How you feeling? I have a sinus infection or had rather I am moving through it, but I'm in the final days of this mucus and ickiness and you will be able to hear it through the deep and squeaky tones in this intro for sure. I had a few auditions due today, one being a voiceover that I could not nail with this phlegm situation. You may not hear it, but I'm feeling a lot better. There's just that lingering layer of ick that keeps me honest. Okay, I'll get off that. I'll get off that. In my next solo episode, I'll give you a simple recipe that breaks fevers. For today, let's focus on the interview with Lydia Faye Berkey. So in this recording, you'll hear references to this being for season two. This is actually for season three, because we're in season three. I recorded this a year ago, but I went on an early hiatus. So if you hear about season two, that's why. My guest today is the beautiful Lydia Faye Berkey. I find a lot of my guests on social media. So I had been following Faye at Becoming Lydia Faye for a while She has this gorgeous curated page that uplifts and educates two things I'm all about. We talk about building an Instagram presence, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, how to protect your peace, and the struggle to decolonize Eurocentric beauty standards. This episode is so good and too short. I think I need to get Sister Faye back on for part two. Let me know what you think. Here's Faye. I have been stalking you on Instagram. Oh my God. <laughs> I love that. I'm and watching. I'm honored. Okay. 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 And I just want to know more. So tell me all about you. Uh, who are you in the adoption community? 
Yes. So like I said, my name is Lydia. Um, I'm an adult transracial adoptee. I was um, adopted private domestically. So um, born in Detroit, raised um, about an hour away in a small white conservative town. So um you know all of that. Yeah, it's always a small white conservative town. It always Yeah, yeah. So um I am one of four children. All of us were adopted. My older brother is white and then my two babies, my younger siblings are both black as well. So um I was the oldest girl and the oldest black child in my family. Um, Obviously, lots of complexities growing up being black in a completely white town, essentially. I was the sole diversity in in my church. Um, There's a couple people of color um, in the school that I went to. Not very many, not very many black people specifically. Um, but I decided in eighth grade that I wanted to be a social worker and more specifically an adoption worker. So um, I went to my college, got my degree, and I now work full time as an adoption caseworker. And I have a part time job at a group home for teen moms. And so I do that full time. And then I have this Instagram page that I created a year ago, having no idea that there was a whole adoption community on Instagram okay. and um, was blown away. And in just the community that had already been established and through that, I share a little bit of my story. <laughs> Well, I'm amazed because I started my investigation of the adoption community a year ago as well. Yes. And, you know, and mm-hmm. a year ago this month, I think. And wow. for that, I was not plugged in at all. Mm-hmm. So what prompted you to get plugged into the community via social media and all of that? And how did you grow your Instagram so fast? <laughs> Okay. So like I said, I didn't know there was a community. So I thought I came up with this great idea to share my adoption. Like I thought I was creating something for real, for real. (laughs) So you thought you were number one. You I I mean, not actually, but I didn't know that there was like this established community of like adoptees and hosting events and all these things. Right. So I created my page, you know, I thought of a handle and I just started posting and looking I made posts before I even looked at any adoptee hashtags. So I didn't know nobody. I didn't know anything. Um, And that's kind of how it started. And as far as following, I can't really speak to that because all I'm doing is being authentic (laughs) and myself. Like to me, that's not something that I'm focused on. You know, I really thought my page was going to have three followers and, um, that was it. And I didn't even tell like my friends or family I was creating this, right? Like I didn't know if they'd understand what it was, what my vision was in sharing my personal and professional insight into adoption, right? Like that's weird. Yeah. Um, so I didn't think people would understand. So I didn't even tell anybody until after I started this page. But yeah, as far as following, I don't know. I I think it's amazing <laughs> that people want to follow me in our um encouraged by my journey and my story but 
know, yeah. that's, that's God. <laughs> that's that's yeah. what it is. Yeah, you have an infectious energy and, and people want to know more. And your page is great because it has a little bit of your value system, mm-hmm. which I love. I love to know where people stand and their values yeah. and inspiration and just like a medley of things. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, I definitely love it. So on your page, though, you have a collaboration happening with another adoptee. What is her name and what is This Is Us? Yes. So Brandy Ebersole is the other adoptee that I, um, it was actually her idea to like host this, this is us Instagram live series. And I was like, girl, I'll do it with you. What's good. (laughs) I love that show. But this is us is a show that basically, um, is about the life of the Pearson family and the Pearsons. Um, it's a husband and wife, she was pregnant with triplets. One of them did not make it, but a baby was left at a fire station. Yeah, I believe it was a fire station. And um, they ended up adopting this other baby. So it's still their triplets. Now, the baby that they adopted happens to be a Black male. So, um, you know, there's... It's a really cool show. It does flashbacks to, you know, their life growing up and their child rearing years, um, aspects of their current life, and then even into the future. Um, And so we, I mean, there's a lot of storylines going on in the show, and we focus on Randall Pearson, who is the transracial adoptee. Yeah, that actor is fierce. I love him. I love him. Sterling K. Brown is it. Yeah, yeah. I love that he's on the rise. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited. Okay. Well, yeah. will you ever like create that, like evolve that into a podcast or you're staying on the Instagrams? Well, the funny thing is, while I did create this Instagram page, I hate writing. Yeah. Um, and doing captions like it's the bane oh, of my I existence. Hate captions. Like I don't like it. And so it was funny. I created this, but I actually wanted a podcast. Um, so it's definitely something I'm still considering and looking into because I love talking and it's, <laughs> I just don't like writing. But I feel like sometimes it's hard for me to be in that space because adoption and talking about race is so heavy. Mm -hmm. Um, and while those are important conversations to be had, sometimes I just want to be, you know, more light or joking things. And I think, um, sometimes it's hard to capture all that in a post. So, you know, having my voice and me being goofy, I love, um, I'm really excited to have that. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. I, I actually started this podcast, um, last August. Okay. And and so I have learned a great deal. And this episode is for season two. Okay. Come on, season two. <laughs> About to drop in April. Yes. But I have learned so much this past year, you know, and I've never plunged so hard into a community before, but it feels right. Um, Amen even to that. Yeah. Very foreign, you know. Mm-hmm. 
but it I've found that the adoption community and the adoptees have really embraced me in ways that I never thought was possible. Did you feel that as well? Yeah, I think I was kind of quiet, more quiet at first because I was just taking in the community, you know, I could see there was, you know, different kind of groups of people and, you know, there's, you know, there's racial adoptees and then there's domestic, right? Like there's a whole bunch of different um, kind of smaller subsets of the adoption community, but um, I have felt very embraced and just loved by so many different adoptees. And I think it's a beautiful thing because like, I have never known other Black transracial adoptees or even Black adoptees, right? And Mm -hmm. so besides my siblings, and so it's kind of this in-between that we sit in, right? Like I have Black friends. I know people who are adopted, but no one can relate to both. Exactly. Yeah. And so then to find people who can, and I swear I'd be reading people's posts And I could have written it myself. I'm like, you went through that too. Really? Wow. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. Oh, most definitely. And it's so specific to our experience as Mm -hmm. Black women who've been brought up by white people. (laughs) Yeah. And we constantly have to uh, re-examine that and and reckon with that when we go into Black spaces you know, um, and feeling just the push and pull of, uh, I, I no longer really feel the, the pressure anymore, the way that I did younger to prove Mm -hmm. myself, (laughs) to prove my blackness. Right. Uh, But, but now I'm definitely surrounded by people who accept me for who I am, but it is, it is tricky finding those circles that fit, you know? Yeah, Absolutely. Okay. So I love the chart on your Instagram page, achieving self-actualization as a transracial adoptee. Yes. I want to put this down. Okay. okay. Do you yeah. have it up? Yeah, I'm about to pull it up. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, it's Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which... um. You know, I saw for the first time in a psychology class in high school. And, you know, I was just like, oh, okay, cool. Like, you know, basically the idea that we need to achieve these lower levels of our basic needs before we can reach self-actualization. And when I created my page, I was thinking about how I achieve self-actualization as an adoptee. And these different layers, um, I think I continue to just pour into and figure out and navigate what that looks like for me, right? So like um, physiological needs, food, water, sleep, those are my basic needs. Those have always been met. But the next one up is safety. So Mm, I think of that from the place of where I grew up. So like I said, I grew up in a small conservative white town. Mm -hmm. Now to my family, that was a safe place, right? Low crime, not much happening. Like my town was not even popping. There was, besides restaurants, there's nothing to do. 
There's yeah, like yeah. a chill. You your doors kind of open. Not yeah, yeah. So that. to them, that is a safe community. Mm-hmm. Which to an extent it is, but I did not feel safe there as a Black individual. I was followed home from a corner store before and they were recording me. I've been stopped, um, you know, leaving stores, followed in stores. I um, worked at Panera in high school and was called the N-word, right? Like all these things that were happening compromised my safety, my emotional safety, my physical safety, mental, you know, all these absolutely areas of my life I did not feel safe in. Mm -hmm. So that's just, you know, level two. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'm already... I feel like I'm behind my peers of my age to achieving self-actualization because of that. Mm. I have a mantra that I have to tell myself quite regularly, just as a female, as a BIPOC female, Mm -hmm. that I'm safe and protected, you know, and it's- I do that all the time. Yeah, to remind myself that just bodily, emotionally, spiritually, as you listed off, I have to remind myself that so that I don't get pangs of anxiety because of various things said or done. Absolutely. But I also trust my instinct when I don't feel safe. You know, I I feel like it's kind of that balance of always having that anxiety of not feeling safe, but also listening to myself Yeah, when it's, you know, it's on high alert. Like, oh, okay, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to go here or I'm not going to do this because at the end of the day, we need to protect our peace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like that can be something that I often set aside for others, um, mm. you know, my own well-being. Yeah, especially as an adoptee. You Listen. are taught mm-hmm. early on that your feelings are secondary. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so that's something that I feel as though I'm continuing to unlearn Mm. and trying to prioritize and love myself in the way I love others. Hey, I want to share with you something that has changed my life. It's more like someone, my therapist. Why is she so important? Well, because I want to win in this life. I want to break through the carousel of stories I've compiled that hold me back, that keep me from expanding into my full potentiality. Stories of unworthiness, not enoughness, and even stories of questioning why I am here. I also want to stop dumping my unsorted feelings on the people around me and reacting with the same behavioral patterns that keep me stuck. Conversations with my therapist have made me more confident, clearer in my intention, and more centered in my spirit. That is why I am elated that we are sponsored by BetterHelp, where you can, from wherever you happen to be right now, match with a therapist tailored to your exact needs. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. Someone who you can text at any time and schedule online for either a chat, Zoom, or phone call. And if it turns out that your therapist isn't the right fit, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional cost. 
Visit the link in the show notes, betterhelp.com, when they were young, to get 10% off the first month. You need to click the link in the show notes in order to get the 10% discount. I want to see you win, beloved. Let's do it together. Visit the link, betterhelp.com, when they were young. Yeah. Ooh, so good. So good, Lydia. Okay. What's the next one? Okay. So then next on the hierarchy of needs is love and belonging. So to me, this was kind of hard because of course, as an adoptee, I didn't feel like I always belonged in my adoptive family. Being Black added another layer of complexity that made me feel as though I didn't belong, right? I looked different. Um, And as I grew up, I felt that lack of belonging in friend groups. Um, You know, as we start talking more about our beliefs and values, I was like, hmm, that's not what I believe. Or that's not the same variation of what I believe, right? And then just always looking different, I knew I didn't belong. And there was people in my life who were bold enough to state that. Mm. Um, So that was something that I always felt. And it, um, I just felt very distant because I didn't have a place where I felt like I completely belonged in life. Mm. So, I mean, now I do. (laughs) But, you know, growing up um, in the time where I really could have used a community. I don't feel like I had that. Well, now you're old enough to create that. Mm-hmm. You're you're a child. You don't know how to do that. You right. don't know how to um, construct those kinds of uh, relationships and situations to mm-hmm. create that safety that leads to the belonging mm-hmm. and create those boundaries create all of those things that are imperative for a sense of just peace and contentment in a situation, a social situation. Absolutely. Mm, Yeah. Belonging is a huge one. Mm -hmm. Love to. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yes. So Uh, the next is esteem. mm -hmm. So For me, I think of this in two separate ways. I think of Mm self-esteem and my self-esteem was low. I didn't have any representation. So that made me feel, you know, just not welcomed, like I belonged. It made me feel ugly to an extent, right? Like I really, and continue to work to decolonize Eurocentric beauty standards, you know? Being in middle school is hard. Being in high school is hard. And then add being one of the only Black people when, (laughs) you know, that's not what's cute. Yeah. It's hard. But then I also think of esteem as, you know, like um, being a leader, right? So like on the post, it says you've acquired the skills that lead to honor and recognition, I was so insecure and just felt like an imposter everywhere I went. I feel as though I wasn't fulfilling my self-actualization, right? I wasn't living to my full potential because I always felt like 
I wasn't good enough, right? Like black people aren't smart. Black people aren't articulate. You know, the leaderships or roles or whatever goes to the white people. Mm-hmm. So. And that's not true, but this is that's some- not true, but that's how I felt. And the crazy thing is I was in leadership positions, but I never felt qualified to have be in those positions Yeah, because of those feelings. And again, because. I didn't have a community where I was seeing people that look like me in leadership roles. It was hard for me to really feel like this is what we do, right? So yeah, that was really hard. There was this uh, statistic that showed that men who were only forty percent qualified for a job, right, would apply for it. Uh, but mm. women always felt they had to be at least 80% qualified for a job in order to have the confidence enough to apply for it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. And, you know, there was lots of microaggressions that mm-hmm. were happening that made me feel a lack of self-esteem and just esteem when it came to um, roles I could have. hmm as a teenager. Yeah. The imposter syndrome is deep, right? Mm-hmm. And I even feel that with all of my education, I'm like, hmm, should I get another degree? Right. <laughs> Listen, like, yeah. There are other people who've literally achieved a, a fraction of what I have achieved. And period. That they are like at the height of their confidence about mm-hmm. everything. <laughs> Right. And so that's definitely something that as a Black adoptee, I have to continually combat those negative feelings to feel like I'm qualified. Like, I still feel that in my job I have now. And I went to a four-year college to obtain a degree that's specific for my field that I'm in. Yeah. Right. But it's still like, ooh, do I know enough? Am I doing enough training? Like, whatever it is. You know, and it's crazy. Mm, it is. It really is. Uh, I'm definitely working on that. I'm reading this great book, um, Honoring the Self. And that mm-hmm. is how it really breaks down what self-esteem, high self-esteem really is. Right. How it manifests in your life and how low self-esteem shows up in a variety of ways that we might overlook. Yeah. But uh, but one of the most profound things in the book said that you will often be matched socially and romantically with the person um, that matches your self-esteem. Mm. And if you have low self-esteem, you will that's, be with a low self-esteem person. That And that's true. That is absolutely true. Um you know, I didn't start dating till college, yeah. but when I did, I didn't value myself as a black woman. Yeah. Or, you know, whatever. And I was dating people who didn't value me as a woman either. Right. So exactly. Yeah. And I was right there with you. Mm-hmm. And, and and it was complicated too because I had a very awkward 
just relationship with black men. I dated many black men since, you know, but growing up, I did not feel attractive. I was very much the ugly duckling and Mm -hmm. made to feel that way when amongst like my bestie friends who are blonde and long haired, you know, all of that. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it's just very interesting. And a lot of people conflate self-esteem with uh, arrogance, you know, it's, it's, that's what I was going to say. Yes. Completely different fields. And people Mm -hmm. need to understand that as well, because um, I know there are certain things that I oscillate from like complete hubris to I am Eeyore, you know, (laughs) right? Yes. (laughs) have no idea, no faith in anything. Right. So, um, <laughs> but it's it's good to to exist in the middle ground. But um, yeah. but just n- for the those listening, just know that there is a vast difference between having high self esteem and being arrogant. Right. And I think that's an important thing because I definitely didn't want to be on the arrogant side, so I erred towards continuing to be self-conscious about myself. That wasn't something that I was willing to work on because I didn't want to come off as arrogant. So I think there definitely is that middle ground, like you're saying, of <laughs> not being either or. Yeah, yeah. And and I know that life is is hard and every situation warrants a different response. And yeah. but um giving oneself grace, you know helps. Right. At least I'm telling myself that. And that's what I tell myself. You know? <laughs> yes. That's, that's what we need to be telling ourselves. And that's why, you know, something I practice is daily affirmations. Mm, yeah. Because I need to be telling myself these things more than others do. I got to believe it. Yeah. And they'll what believe of it. your a- a- affirmations? Um... I'm worthy. Mm-hmm. My voice is worthy to be heard. Um, I belong. Um, you know, I have, I have the intellect to be in the positions that I hold. Yes. Um, things like that. I, I love that. I love that. Uh, some people don't know how to create affirmations, so that is very helpful. Uh, so where where can people find you? You're on Instagram. Are you on Facebook? I'm not. Right now, I stick solely to the gram. <laughs> I, um, I've thought about expanding, but right now, I'm just holding it down. So my Instagram handle is adoptee with the number two adoption worker. Okay. Okay. And then I ask this question uh, to all my guests. Okay. Where in your life can you apply courage? I believe that I am applying courage by speaking my truth as an adoptee. I spent years holding in my true thoughts and feelings about my adoption to appease the thoughts and feelings of other people, specifically my family, right? So 
it is huge to me that I am speaking about how it feels to be an adoptee and not in a way that is to bash my parents, but in a way that can bring healing to myself and other adoptees and to educate other white adoptive parents so that their adoptees as adults can't say the same things that I'm saying. Yes. Done. (laughs) Done. So good. So good. Thank you. Thank you. Ah, I feel like I've known you forever. I know. I wish I could just hug you. Uh, well, let me know if you're ever in Chicago. Listen, I might have to make a trip. You know? oh, COVID. So, the summer's coming. Listen. The vaccines are out. Like, <laughs> Yes, I know. I want to meet all of my virtual friends. Another beautiful episode. Thank you so much for listening and thank you to my guest today. If you liked this episode, the best way to support me and this work is to write an iTunes review, a five-star review. (laughs) This helps us reach the top of searches and helps more people to find us. And if you personally want to connect, please reach out on Instagram or Facebook. And I have some great resource material on my website at laniceantoinshelly.com. So go on over there too. Until next we meet, go gently and have courage, my love.